Welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. I'm Jared Cameron. I'm joined today at the Contingent Workforce Conference by David G. Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks, we're into Jared. the afternoon, Dave. Oh, we're in the <laughs> afternoon, and it's um, it's rapidly getting towards beer o'clock, isn't it? It is. Which means we should interview someone from a beer company. That's a great idea. Have we got one of those? Uh, we do. <laughs> Who's <laughs> that? Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Who's this guy? <laughs> we're joined by Julian Banks from Lion. Julian, how are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you, boys. How are you? Yeah, great actually. Um, tell us what brings you to this, this conference today. Oh, I'm ashamed to say that about four years ago, I think Trevor spammed me with an email saying, "Come along to a contingent workforce conference," <clears throat> and um, and I came coming back really. So, um, <laughs> but no, look, honoured to have been asked to do a little talk today. So, um, so yeah, share a bit of my journey and experiences with uh, the trying to tackle the the contingent workforce problem. Yeah. It's not really a problem. Mm. Tell, tell us about. Okay, well, let's call it an opportunity. Then. An opportunity. So, yeah, tell us good. about the contingent workforce opportunity at Lion. What have you yep. been doing in the last couple of years? I mean, if you're up here talking, you're either partway through your journey, and you've got a story mm. to tell, or you're in the early days and you're mm. telling, talking about what you're going to be doing. Yeah, right. So, um, we um, we didn't really realise or know anything about our contingent workforce, um, and, and I think back in 2013 when I came along to one of these conferences, it just was the the kind of stimulus to go and work it out and it took a long time it, it's it's a lot of um finding out who are the right people to talk to in your business um line is is a um a vast business is six and a half thousand employees across 30 different sites and um, we've got big kind of corporate group functions that look after all of our business units who's really their their objective is go out make the brands, make the products and get them out on the shelves and sell them. So um, to do core, that... Kind of core business, I guess. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a full manufacturing business. So um, we we make um, all our products from start to finish and, and then sell and you know, distribute. So I guess the um, it's it's really complex. And to look at, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, we've, we've nailed the whole employee side and we know exactly who works for us. Um, just back in 2013, realised we didn't. Yeah, didn't so, have those answers. <clears throat> no, and um, yeah, and then you just start digging, really, and uh, it's quite can be quite shocking what you find, um, but not in a not in a bad way, but just kind of like wow, in a wow way. So, what what, what sort of role do contingent workers play at Line? I mean, mm. is, is this is this a way for you to be able to scale quickly? You know, what's kind of the what's the strategic yeah, relevance question. for you? Yeah, mm. so we have um, certainly we have our peak seasons. So um, as a as a business that sells both. Um, well, products that like to get drunk in the summer months, um, as well as your, your kind of everyday... As well as winter months. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Have a few of those in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, they do, they do too. Um, and, yeah, you know, as well as like your white milks and, and juices that are everyday um, foods so, or everyday products. So, um, but ultimately, yeah, peak season is, is, um, is summer and, and into um, uh, and, and coming into kind of spring and... And we have to upscale our manufacturing side quite quite a lot there. So that's pretty obvious. Um, and then we just have quite a lot of cool projects going on all the time. And a lot of them are technology-focused and IT. Um, and look, we're coming from a, a foundation of complex IT systems. So um, unfortunately, um, when I talk about exciting projects in IT, it's it's not looking at the disruption going on in the world. It's probably more about how do we just evolve and, and get better at what we have and, mm-hmm. and what are the some of the quick wins that we can do. And that, that's they, they can be some um, really good projects for the IT guys to work on. So we definitely have um, some of that, which is continuous throughout the year. Um, 
Interestingly, though, we put all of that technology stuff goes on a freeze over those summer months. That is our peak selling period. Um, but, um, but yeah, it just kind of all adds up to being pretty diverse workforce. Um, and I guess, yeah, we, we come to conferences like this and we see that, you know, it's only going to get more diverse and it's, uh, you know, the footprint of a, a permanent employee is, is going to be very different to, uh, to what it is in the future. And we've got to be ready to tackle that. Mm. And we certainly weren't a few years ago. So, And what have been some of the things that, I mean, you know, what, what have you done about it? How have you, how have mm. you addressed it? How have you got Lion more ready to deal with that type of worker? Look, a lot of it is, um, is internal stakeholder management <laughs> and influencing. And actually, kind of what works really well at Lion, I think, is just um, it's getting, getting the business to think of the solution themselves. So it's all very good kind of coming in with subject matter expertise. But actually, I'm not a subject matter expert. Um, you know, I've just kind of seen an opportunity and I, I use a lot of external um, uh, I guess expertise profession around me to kind of table these things and right. then when you start actually customising it to what's the problem we have at Lion um, the business start coming up with the same solution you want them to so we found successfully to implement what we've done is is through the business being really engaged and that's through really broad stakeholder engagement and management um, and a bit of influencing but it's interesting I think we tackled it slightly different that I didn't want cost savings to be the main driver for right. our contingent workforce kind of program it was um much to the um i think procurement were pretty unhappy about that but mm-hmm. um <laughs> but ultimately you know we, we kind of saw the opportunities around the impacts it was having on our culture just yep. gaining the visibility and understanding of um what our workers you know who our workers were how long they've been with us how much they've been paid what we were paying our suppliers just that visibility itself was was the business case um and then the cost was the little carrot that we dangled, mm. you know, afterwards to say, you know, if you're not entirely convinced this is the right thing to do, then we're going to save you some money too. So yeah. that was effective. Well, that's interesting because one of the things I I, um, I know of Lion, I've, I've, um, apart from the products, apart from the products, yeah. which yeah. I'm well versed at, yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> yeah you, you've got you've always you've had a very strong culture mm. and very values led, yeah, and I yeah, think that's, that's been right. something that I've that I've witnessed over time. So yeah. obviously that that. that thought is you bring more contingent workers in you can dilute that a bit yeah yes bang on um and i probably it's the last piece of my kind of stakeholder engagement was um ironically going to essentially one of the the leaders in within the people and culture team to Mm. go to say look you know i've seen this trend and in the external market and other businesses are doing this and they're addressing it like this um and her feedback was yeah wow just imagine like how many how many contracts do you think we have? And I said I, I honestly mm. couldn't give you the answer. And huh, she wow. said, but but if roughly we're what fifteen percent, twenty percent, and and that was a, a real guesstimate um, going back three four years now. And and yeah, so yep about that. And if it's going to rise by another twenty five thirty percent, you know, over the next three years, which it has, then what is the impact on on the fact that? As a as a permanent worker that we invest heavily into, mm-hmm. um, and we we kind of bring them along for this wonderful cultural journey, they could be sitting next to a you know a, a contractor who you know is going to take all that apart pretty quickly, mm. um, and that simply could be an onboarding or an induction issue, or it could just be a behavioural issue. So, yeah, look, I mean that was a really interesting insight yeah. from. Um, probably someone I should have spoken to earlier in the business case, yeah, right. earlier in the in the stakeholder engagement. But just that 
that was a it was mm. just a, you know nailed it really. There's probably a selection issue too. So it's as much as you know, bringing the work bring the workers on and making sure <laughs> that they're inducted and they they have a bit of DNA passed through that process as quickly as possible. But surely making the right assessment and um, selection yeah. decisions yeah. about the types of workers right down to the individual is a part of it. Can you hear my face scrunch up? Yes, is I it, can. Is it visual? Or yeah. is, is this podcast visual? No? It can be. No? Yeah, okay. I can take oh, photos. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't do that just now because my face is scrunched. I think, um, you know, we, again, this is, this is awful, but it's, it's something that I'm sure we're not the only company to experience, but selection processes are all over the place, mm. of course. Um, but one of the real big eye-openers is because we pride ourselves so much on, on the talent we bring into the business, especially for permanent roles, um, that... We have a very rigorous selection process. It's it's multiple interviews, psychometric mm. testing. Um, we have this really cool part of our process, and I can say cool. It's very two way. It's it's what we refer to as a sociability, and it's where a candidate will come in at the back end of the recruitment process. They've they've done the formal stuff, mm. you know, and they're now in, and we'll actually just you know have a beer in the bar or a glass of wine or a yep. water, or we'll go out for coffee or lunch, and that candidate gets to meet broader people in their team um, that you know that we're looking at as as well as or or um, uh, instead of kind of business partners and um, and stakeholders that they would engage with in their role <clears throat> and they will um, you know it's just an informal it's an hour mm. and and it, it's just to get to know you and it's actually like I said it's two-way because a we want the team to kind of appreciate who's sitting across the table and that they're going to work for us and is it the right fit and b we want the candidate to sit there and go right. I'm gonna. I'm just about to make a career choice here, and I'm going to mm. come and work with you five people. And I want, you know, I want to make the right call. So we do the, all this rigor, and um, and it's great and it's fun, but it's it's hard, and we make people jump through hoops, and um, and we'll do that for a help desk agent in our IT team, you know, who's who's taking calls or on our call center. They might have to do assessment centers and you know role plays and stuff. For an IT project manager mm. who, you know, is earning a lot of money. Can I say how much money? Do you want to? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah so they're, they're earning, you know, a thousand bucks a day yeah. and they get one interview, which is generally a how, you know, what's your project management methodology and mm. where, and have you, you're in. where have you done it? And, oh, yeah, you're good. Yep. Let's get you in on this project. Okay. Two polar into the spectrum, aren't they? Uh, and this guy is working on a... Thirty million dollar project on, yeah. in our business versus someone who's just had to go through a six week process. Yeah, you know. And so we increasingly IT programs are transformational too. So there's potentially yeah. impact I mean, this on is the long term. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So you kind of yeah. Look, that was a again something mm. you just go. Geez, we need to mix it up. But have, have you changed you at all? No. No, so it's still the same. So you go six week <coughs> process if you're permanent. So is, so yeah, is no, the, is the message it, so you're telling us, Julian, <laughs> that if we want to come and work for Lion, we should apply for contract roles? <laughs> um, no, because you're not allowed to catch me out like that. Um, <laughs> so no, look, it's we are changing it. Um, yeah. So first of October, um, loud and proud, we've got a new structure with with our from a talent acquisition perspective. Um, we've re- remodeled our team to yeah. accommodate different types of recruitment needs um, on the permanent space. And with contractor, um, I guess it's 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 more working closely with an MSP to kind of really challenge. We've got this new motto which we're really happy with, which is challenge, not satisfy. Mm-hmm. So we want the we want our business partners as recruiters, whether they're MSP or or perm, to to challenge a hiring leader around a decision. And that might be a diversity issue, or it might just be a, 
um, mm. a selection process and what you know what what selection process a leader wants to go through. So um, yeah, look, we're doing some some pretty cool stuff in that space. Um, ultimately, though, to your point, Jared, I think you know we there is a long way to go, and yeah. if we are going to have more contract workers in our business. Mm. Um, then you know we need to think about how we're going to do that. And and talking to the CIO yesterday, um, who's new to our business, um, she's come from Jetstar, a mm. fantastic um, profile and and great and just a wonderful expert and and um, and someone who's going to make a lot of difference in our business. You know, she's just got this view that you can't. You know, if I might sit there and say, well, why don't we why don't we do some psychometric personality profiling for our contractors and she's like but having worked in consulting for 14 years myself if a client mm. asked me to do that i'd tell them where to go and i'd go and work for someone else yeah so actually right. there's a potential problem with mm. being an attractive employer you know for a contractor if we yeah. get too mm. harsh around that mm. and i want to unwrap that a little bit more i don't know the answer so yeah. we, we had this conversation um <laughs> Earlier with another another person on the podcast, they were talking about the sort of the two sides of the coin when you're trying to bring in a contractor. And they said, you know, one side is around competence. And, you know, is the person the competent right role? And this is actually not specifically for a contractor, just for, an, for a worker. Yeah. So one side is competence and the other side is how we want to, how we kind of want to work with that person, mm. <laughs> for want of a better word. Con- I was going to use the word contract, but that's not the right word. Engage. But engage. Engage, engage yeah. with that person. Yeah. And whether they're, a, you know, whether they're wanting to have the permanent, you know, sort of role or whether they're wanting to have more of a contract right role. But I guess that's the question, right? How do you, how do you find the competent worker still in the mm. contractor scenario? How do you find the right mm. person that's the right cultural fit, has yeah. the right skills and knowledge? Yeah. But in the same light, you have to put them through some kind of process, but maybe not the same kind of process that you put a permanent employee through, mm. yeah. right? I think my, my really quick answer to that, um, which is not the only answer, but it's something that we're doing is is your partnership with your your agency suppliers. So again, I've I've heard already in half a day of this conference that there's definitely a shift towards um, I suppose direct sourcing versus using recruitment agency partners. And I just think if with a with a recruitment agency partner that's an independent kind of partner and, and support to our business if you build up a really good relationship with them and you actually account manage them really well a two-way not not just one way that they can they can help you with that like mm. that what's their screening process you know in, in the past i think we've just said we need a body yeah, just and it's got to be a project manager and you know we haven't really told them about our culture we haven't told them about the projects we're working on mm. we haven't told them about um you know the benefits um of of working for us so we need to do more of that and I think that's a short-term, or well, hopefully it's long-term, but it's certainly a short-term fix to that you know, problem around finding the right fit. I think you're, right, you're right about, um, I think you're also right about looking at the way that the partner is, uh, is they're doing their screening process. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had an outsourced recruitment partner one time that was sourcing candidates for a call centre, yep. and they were assessing them based on their touch typing speed, which you would think is a really core competence in a call centre. But actually, if you go and sit down next to someone in a call centre, it's multitasking. It's running five or ten applications (laughs) at the same time and jumping between them. It's not how fast you can type. It's whether you're good at navigating an operating system. So, you know, we had to calibrate with that that group of people to say, actually, you need to do a different type of assessment. It's not a typing speed assessment. You know, throw them lots of tasks and and see how they can deal with lots of conflicting priorities and things. Yeah, look, it, it is. It's a really interesting challenge because um and again one of the objectives of of an msp model for us and a contingent workforce model 
or program, sorry, was that we wanted to build this value proposition for coming to work at Line. Mm. And, you know, we wanted to be a, a, a place that contractors wanted to come to work to. And you got to find that balance between what is, um, you know, what's a fair way of assessing and selecting people to come in that's not disengaging. Yep. Um, together with not bringing someone in is going to undo all the hard work that years and years and years of cultural mm. changes mm. that you know has occurred it's a really interesting one it's, it's, it's actually one of the one of the battles organizations will be facing for yeah. the coming yeah. years you know we, we've asked a lot around the culture and how do you manage yeah. the culture and yeah. And it's the mix, getting the mix right as well i guess the, the, the other advantage if you want to put it in these terms of of Using contingent workers is they're they're easy, as easy as they are to bring on. <laughs> they're actually easier to exit too. Yeah, yeah. So if you do have an issue, it's two way. That's two way though, isn't it? You know, like yeah. it's it's easy for the contingent worker to say I've had enough, and yeah, it's yeah. easy for the employer as well. And so you know, double edged sword, right? Yeah. I look at, again at my conversation with CIO yesterday was if they're no good, we get rid of them. Mm. I think she said she shoots them actually, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, but the, the reality is like if they if they're not up to speed, then get rid of them. Don't. Mm give them a month to work it out yeah that's right this is cut and dry stuff like it's got to work so and that culturally at line that's not how we do things so we've got to Mm. think about that Mm. because actually maybe it should be well if you've got some of your workforce if you've got it projects they've got a mix of permanent and and Mm. contingent people and some of them are under that pressure day in day out like you could be out of here tomorrow you better perform today the rest of them are just you know they're there um, on the, the longer term yeah. basis, knowing that you know if they have a bad week, yeah. it's probably going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Or you know, if, if that contractor and their style and behaviour is disruptive, mm. then they can call it out and have something done about it. Yeah, you know. But actually, maybe just maybe that's what we need. Yep, that's right. You know. Yeah. So we're raising more questions than we're answering here. We are. Oh yeah, we are. We probably <laughs> what is, are. So, what's the journey? But from isn't here? that the case with yeah. contingent? Though? Yeah, it should be. Yeah, you've sort of got to a yep. point now where you're yep. getting reasonably mature in leveraging the model. What's what do you see the next sort of five years looking like? <clears throat> um, look, I think we're, I mean, we're only tackled at the moment at Lion. We've only tackled our white collar um, mm-hmm. workers. Yep. Um, uh, we've got a massive opportunity around blue collar. Uh, so our manufacturing facilities mm. and and the fact that we hire a lot of uh, external casual temps in that that space, um, I think what we've what we've found with the model at the moment is it's really um, we can control the the broader um, I guess temp labour through our agencies really well and and we can make sure we're we're kind of doing all the things we just talked about in terms of trying to find the right temps there, but how do we how do we work with independent contractors, mm-hmm. sole traders, um, you know, consultants? Um, so that whole statement of work and an independent contractor space is definitely one that we can't solve overnight. We'd love to, but it's just taking. It's going to take a while. Yeah. Together with the blue collar, so there's there's loads of opportunity to go, and mm. um, I think you know, talk to talk again in 12 months' time, we still wouldn't have nailed it all, and probably I'd love to have done, but I'm just trying yeah. to be realistic. But I think as well, you know, how do you how do you work with the disruption of freelancing and, mm. and independent contracting mm. now, and um, the technology that that is available to to workers, um, and actually the business needs, you know, and we've got a heavy marketing creative business across both our alcohol and dairy business units, and these guys might want to fire off a piece of work to Asia for. Mm. 
not a lot of money to go and do and they you know they can just freelance it out and you know so all that kind of stuff rather than using your big kind of consultancies here in australia that are really expensive they're very very good yeah um i just think we're gonna find in 12 months time a different way of working Mm. that's a bit more cost effective and um and if it gets us the results then I've got to come up with a solution to kind of, yeah. you know, how we so how we manage that. Perhaps using more smaller boutiques, specialist consultancies. That are <laughs> Do you know any of those around, Dave? I mean, yeah. you know, no, I don't know too many. No, I don't know either, no I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with them. So. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Julian. It's been uh, really interesting sort of having a chat through the experience you've been going through at uh, Lion for the last three or four years and where mm. you're going to next. And yeah. sounds like um, you've made progress. More to go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, and... You know, ultimately now as a talent acquisition function, we can go to the business and say, you know, what is your talent need? And um, we we have a, a kind of a business partner level within within the recruitment team that can sit down across the table from a leader and, and work through solutions. And they can be multiple solutions now for fulfilling a job rather than, okay, give me a brief and, you know, in 12 weeks' time we'll fill that job. We mm. can actually offer some, some other stuff to help out. So yes. it's a very exciting time for us. Yeah. And... Um, you know, we're we're well. Um, I think yeah. I think talent acquisition's done a pretty good job the last five or six years of just embedding themselves into the business and adding value. And and now we're going to look at commercial ROI. You know, what are the savings that we're impacting, whether that be in redeployment or contingent, or you know, it's uh, so there's some really exciting stuff going on. And but yeah, the future we can predict today, but I bet it'll be different. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks very much for sharing the journey. Thanks, boys. So far and. Uh, I think I can see a bit of your product in my um, near-term future here at the Cougars. So <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I might see you afterwards for a quick Absolutely. shot. Absolutely. Thanks for right. your time, Julian. Yeah, cheers, <laughs> Thanks, Julian. Cheers.